Hey, Northwest Arkansas, welcome back to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. That's the show that you are listening to right now. Um, today we talk with Dylan Dooms. He's an artist in Northwest Arkansas. We get to sit down with Dylan in his studio in Fayetteville. Uh, Dylan's studio is covered in print work uh, from a bunch of different artists, but then there is so much technology just sitting around, and you'll understand why in a second. Um, You see, Dylan is a digital designer, but he's also a glitch artist, which we get into in the episode. You'll hear all about it. It's really, really neat. He has a lot of gadgets he likes to play with, and so we got to see a lot of old tech from 30 years back. Really neat stuff. So we're sitting in his studio hanging out, uh, recording with all of this neat art and tech around. Um, so anyway, we get to talk with Dylan about what it was like moving to Northwest Arkansas before Facebook was really embedded in helping people get involved. And so he talks about what the experience was getting plugged into the art scene. Um, as the new kid on the block, fresh out of school, we talk about, um, nostalgia. We talk about, art making and making mistakes and uh how mistakes are important and why oh it's just good um and then we talk about at the very end we talk about um one of Dylan's pieces that actually messed up and Peyton and I were there to mess or to witness it um so stay tuned for that cuz it's a pretty funny story and leads to some interesting conversation so anyway I'm going to let you guys go. Enjoy this episode. We had a really great time recording it, and I hope you have a good time listening to it. We will catch you uh, soon with the local lowdown on Thanksgiving. Anyway, that's our little gift to you. We love you very much. Enjoy the episode. Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. We are sitting in Fayetteville in Dylan Dooms' studio. It's a neat little spot. I really, really like it a whole lot. Uh, so we're sitting here with Dylan. Um, Dylan is a an illustrator and a glitch artist and a video producer and does all sorts of stuff. He'll probably be able to tell you more about uh, it than I can. But Dylan, why don't you introduce yourself? Why don't you tell us a little bit about Dylan? Dooms? Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm an artist. I mainly just will say artist a lot of times because I do so many different things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, let's see, uh, animator, uh, videographer. I've done uh, glitch art, as we've said, um, illustration, graphic design, a um, lot of different things like that. Uh, primarily, uh, for the past couple of years is when I've really gotten more into the glitch design work. Um, I was relatively new to learning how to do all that stuff. Uh, before that, I was primarily doing graphic design, illustration, and my went to school for animation. So I've had a lot of involvement with video in the past, but mm-hmm. uh, not live video or glitching video as it goes. So gotcha. graphic design is what you started off doing? 
Yeah, when I moved here, yeah. Um, more like illustration stuff, like gig posters for people, or um, just somebody would hit me up and say, hey, I need like a cool logo or something. I'd be like, okay, cool, let's, let's try that out. And um, a lot of that, and then I did just illustrations, like I made some little zines for a while back in the day uh, when I first moved here. Um, How long ago was that that you moved here? Uh, um, let's see. It was 11 years ago this month. Okay. So gotcha. I've been here about 11 years. Gotcha. Uh, I moved here straight out of college. Like literally my last class, uh, I left. So I was in, um, I was in uh, Tempe, Arizona. So I went to a school called Collins College of Design and Technology. Okay. So they did stuff like game design and oh. um, graphic design and animation, and video, videography. Uh, let's see, what else did they do? Oh, networking, computer stuff. So just a lot of technology and design things. Gotcha. Hence the name. <laughs> so I went there in Arizona because uh, uh, I've grown I've grown up here in Arkansas. I grew up in England, Arkansas, which is like 30 minutes from Little Rock, maybe like a small, it's a real small farm town. Okay. And uh, um, after I graduated high school, I, uh, I decided I really wanted to go to a school really far away just to try to try something different because yep. I'd always lived here so i want to be somewhere different and see different things meet different people mm -hmm. so I, that was the furthest i could go <laughs> that, <laughs> that school that that had some interest in me so yeah uh that's what i did and i had some cool unique experiences and uh met some people i probably wouldn't have never met otherwise staying in the south um and um just had some cool experiences learned some neat things and just was somewhere different to be mm -hmm. and uh try out yeah. And then, uh, let's see, my mother moved here a couple of months before I finished school from England, from our hometown. And uh, I guess because some friends of her had lived here and um, they were doing really well because she's a teacher and she's been a teacher since before I was around. She taught school. She's retired now for 30 plus years. And uh, her friends uh, had moved up here because they were making more as teachers here and it, they I'd never even heard of, I lived in Rogers when I first got here and I never even heard of Rogers. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just knew of Fayetteville because I think I went to one like football game outside of War Memorial growing up. Other than that, I hadn't really been here. And uh, so I didn't even know uh, about Springdale or Tyson or any of that stuff. So that was all relatively new to me when she told me about it. I was like, well, that sounds kind of interesting. There's probably a lot of cool stuff going on here. So yeah, popped in the car and took a couple days to get here, but I got here and started trying things out yeah so yeah so you're at first just trying to find jobs left and right with yeah people. yeah i mean i've worked a lot of different jobs just you know usual kind of i would say kind of like the art student resume where you kind of work <laughs> as cashier or you know uh, a grocery store or a shopping center or at the mall i worked at the mall a lot so a lot of those kind of things or um you know retail stores because there wasn't really any animation here. So there was uh, some businesses that did some 3D modeling stuff for um, a lot of the uh, packaged goods things for Walmart. Like a lot of vendors, some of the vendors need people to design the uh, boxes for their products. So that was about the only 3D design work or anything close to what I went to school for um, that there was. But I wasn't really experienced enough to do it, so I just kind of had to try things around here and do gigs for people I knew or uh, do designs for friends of mine. And uh, that's where I got more along into the art scene here, just knowing people. Yeah. So how, 
this is what was interesting to me moving up here and Peyton and I were talking about it a little bit, just yeah. um, making your way from like the new kid in town to like being a part of like an artist community because how I met you was, mm-hmm. you know, I came across you at shows like Caddy Wampus and, mm-hmm. you know, different um, craft art shows. And then <laughs> I was telling Peyton this, if there was ever an art, event like mm-hmm. i would always check your facebook page to see what yeah. art events were coming up <laughs> and i was like the way i'm going to get to like know people in the art scene around here uh-huh. i guess maybe is just showing up to these things oh yeah um so i was just curious to see how you know 10 11 years ago show up to town how how do you go about making friends in the art world or just mm-hmm. like getting into shows or whatever like what is the what was the, oh. it like for you getting into that sort of thing. Yeah. So that honestly, like I took a really, uh, I was just constantly trying to get stuff going, you know, where I would work at like a, a company doing graphic design or something instead of just kind of for friends or whatever. But, um, that really wasn't happening. And I didn't really know what kind of art scene was here. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, in college, like in, in Phoenix, like that's a big town. There's, that's where I got more familiar with like graffiti art and mm-hmm. seeing, I saw a ton of that. And then I had a roommate um, from uh, uh, Albuquerque, and he was a really good graffiti artist. And he, that was the first time I had ever interacted with like graffiti magazines and things. I'm kind of going way back here on your question. Yeah, no, but, yeah, for sure. Uh, um, so that was where I started really under finding out about more of the art scene outside of just animation, because going to school for animation, you know, we're just studying animated films or, 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 or things like that, or just film in general. We weren't really just looking at art as a whole. And uh, um, so that helped start my interest in art as like a uh, gallery art, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and from there uh, I, I moved here and I didn't really see a lot of that. Like, I know I've seen one of the things that first things I noticed and it's still up, it's on like Greg, it's on that one of those utility boxes. It's like a, a stencil, like an old uh, Banksy piece mm-hmm. where that has the girl letting go of the balloon. It's still up there. I'm amazed it's still up there. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of one of the first times I saw like a real piece of urban art, I guess you would say, graffiti art. Yeah. I don't like labeling things, but yeah. Uh, um, and I was thinking, I said, okay, well, maybe there's something going on here. And then I'd see a little bit of graffiti around or so all, so often, but not a ton. And this is, you know, right when I first moved here. And, uh, um, so I had a lot of interest in it and I, I was like, man, I wish one day I could have money and open my own little, uh, contemporary art space or something. And then I just kind of laid low cause I was just working odd jobs and not really having the kind of funds to do something like that. And then the, uh, original, the, the first time the underground, the fable underground mm-hmm. came up, that was when I started getting familiar with the art around here. Right. So I would go to like every first Thursday and, and check it out. And it was just really fun uh, to see not only just, you know, like big, like oil paintings or anything. I would see some cool, like kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd say kind of, there was one kid, I can't remember his name, but he had like this cool punk aesthetic to a lot of his art that I liked. And so I was like, okay, so these are my people. These are the people around here that do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's where I got started was just going on the first Thursdays a lot. Gotcha. And then, uh, um, from there, that's when I started really like, I worked overnights stocking shelves, mm-hmm. at, at a certain retail around here. <laughs> so <laughs> I would work there overnight. So a lot of my time, um, that I was up 
on my days off was in the middle of the night. So I was inspired by all the art around here I was seeing. And like, I would just stay up all night and draw and work and then sleep during the day because that's kind of how my schedule was set. So Mm -hmm. it gave me a lot of time to kind of hone in on like Photoshop or Illustrator or just my own techniques that I did. I even did for several months. I would do like these things called daily doodles where I would take a little sketchbook and I would draw literally for two hours a day. Holy cow. Every day for like a year. <laughs> yeah. I'd hardly call that a doodle. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, because I was like coloring them and everything, just trying to come up with stuff. And uh, um, I would post them on Facebook and, and, and Twitter. And this is for Instagram too. So, um, and that was kind of my social marketing that started building up a little bit more and it's just been over years of just doing stuff and keeping in touch with people mm-hmm. but i would say that's kind of where it first started where the lightning the, the light bulb came on i was like oh okay this is this is where i need to be at or who i need to hang out with and gotcha. kind of catch up with what's going on well, so, i f- yeah. find it interesting that you're on this kind of like second shift thing yeah um <laughs> and you're simultaneously trying to make connections with people who are you know awake during the daytime yeah that's so tough <laughs> that yeah, it sounds like it yeah i would literally like get off work at 7 7 30 a.m in the morning go home and like pop a benadryl <laughs> and like go to sleep mm-hmm. and then i'd be out and then i'd get up at two o'clock in the afternoon and then i'd go do the daytime thing and network and all that and then i'd go to work and mm-hmm. do it kind of over and over again <laughs> so i was pretty determined for a while what kind of galleries are around at that time you said fateville underground but That's, like um ddp gallery was another one that uh-huh. one was kind of like small and diy and i was like digging that which is cool because i mean yeah. i love the the very DIY mm-hmm. gallery scene yeah. that now exists in Fayetteville. Yeah. I think it's a ton of fun, uh, really great spaces. But that was another one I would think of was DDP, where I was like, okay. this is cool. This is like a cool little spot, and it's really small. And uh, and yeah, and yeah, there was some neat, interesting work coming in and out of there. That was one that I saw a lot. And then just, you know, your, your vendors on your first Thursday, it's all some people doing things. And then uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. And that's when I started actually going to the school, the university, and checking out some of their stuff they had going on. Gotcha. And um, I would go to uh, JR, you know, Lightbulb Club JRs over there. I'd go to shows or I'd check out the gig gig posters there. And you could see a lot of the art kids were there too. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I was understanding. Because that was my days off and there were, I could stay up all night because I <laughs> slept all day. Yeah, yeah. So I would get to go and hang out all these shows and, and kind of see what kind of scene is going on, what kind of kids are around here doing cool things. So that's a lot of the buildup before it really – I got a grasp of kind of how to be in the different spots. Gotcha. Yeah. Facebook like changed the game for me. For... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine just so, you have access to all of these people. Uh, and then there's also like, you're talking about like a social marketing uh, aspect to it yeah. where you can show off your work every day and just like oh, yeah. keep content up. And then you also have like an event sort of aspect to it where it's like, you can literally go and pop in there and say art events this oh. weekend whatever in this city and figure out like where you where can i go and hang out that was i mean that was me when i got here was i'm gonna go check out facebook and look for gallery openings and just scroll you know (laughs) stuff that was going on um so um yeah it's just kind of cool because i mean this was uh early before 2010 or so and uh when i was doing all this stuff um But yeah, so much has changed with social media and things since then and like Instagram and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. 
uh, uh, yeah. Um, so it's just been, I've been here so long that, uh, I got pretty used to it. And, and then, um, let's see when I was doing stuff in, 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 in uh, Fayetteville for a while. And then I, uh, um, <clears throat> started doing some things in Bentonville, uh, after, after, uh, Crystal Bridges open like it seemed to be like a bigger movement happening. Yeah, what was there. that like? What was it like you being an artist here already, uh, sort of established? Then you have this huge museum come in, and this maybe swell of artists and that sort of thing kind of moving to the area. If that's the case, I'm not even sure if that's the case. I don't know either. <laughs> um, it seems like uh, I mean, it seems like there there's there's definitely some people here that want to do some cool things. I think what's hard is because it's such a big museum and there's so many people that come from around the world. And there's so many artists that come here mm -hmm. and there's so many big pieces that uh, the, the tough part is maybe some of the local guys don't get as much attention. Yeah. Um, but I think they're working on that. I'm sure they are. And uh, um, that's kind of what's cool about being in Fayetteville is it's, it's, there's a lot of local things that happen that are on a smaller scale. So we all can kind of communicate and show our work easier. But at, um, I know when, I think the first time I had, had met you, Zach, was uh, at the, when we, when Bottle Rocket, moved to ball rocket north yeah. in bentonville on the uh -huh. square and so that was one of the attempts to to get some um, small time uh not really small time but local art and, and and showcase it around the square and that was kind of fun that was a lot of where glitch art kind of got started with me was was that it was a, a meeting um uh cory johnson who was a uh he was art director of nwa magazine and he's a glitch artist he's a okay. really phenomenal one and so i saw a show he had did uh well, it was the Slaughter Pin Jam a couple of years ago that they did, and he had did a projection while a, like a band was playing, and I thought it was really rad. Yeah. And so I had, I bugged him like a ton about it. And I was, I was like, hey, how did you do that? That was really cool. Like, uh, and so asking him about a lot of those things and figuring out like where to get started on something like that. So that was one of those cool things where being in the community kind of helped me see something I hadn't really seen outside of like major media or a website or something like yeah. someone locally doing something like that. Yeah. So that kind of changed the game for me. It's all about community. I and mean, it really is just mm -hmm. knowing people. And, and, and there are some really talented people around here, uh, that, that, uh, in Fayetteville, Bentonville, all of NWA. And, uh, um, I'm really excited to see more larger scale things to come with that. So, so going back to the glitch art, um, just in case anybody does not know what glitch art is, oh, yeah. how would you define it? Oh yeah, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> so people ask me, and I'm afraid to really answer that because I'm, I've only been doing it for about three years. But I mean, I've, there's a whole thing I can really get into about that. Um, how would I define it? Um, well, uh, I, I consider the like different layer, different types of it, different types of glitch art. So, and I know from some of the research I've done. Um, like, uh, I would say analog is kind of where you take the v VCRs, VHS tapes, and, you know, maybe run a magnet through the strip, tape strip, mm -hmm. and uh, demagnetize or magnetize. I can't remember. I never can remember. I just know, put a magnet through it, and it'll mess it up. <laughs> and uh, um, I never remember all the terminology. And I know so many people are going to be not happy with me for saying, I don't know the terminology because I do so much of it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, um yeah, so there's analog, which is, you know, where you're tinkering around with equipment, like uh, image stabilizers, like these little boxes that people would hook up to their VCRs that had maybe some contrast to their VCR video or uh, add more color to it or brighten the image. 
things like that. There's a guy named um, uh, uh, Logan who um, runs a thing called Tachyons Plus, and he makes a bunch of equipment. And uh, he actually does equipment, a lot of his equipment and big bands he use for their video, their music videos, or hmm. the people. Uh, I know uh, Tame, Tame Impala, they had a big show tour recently, and they used some of his equipment that he builds himself. And uh, uh, That's actually exactly what I was thinking of yeah. whenever you were describing this, because I saw Tame Impala live in Boston. Yeah. And, yeah, I was they were using exactly Tachyon that. Plus equipment, yeah. So he would take those kind of machines, and, and, uh, and he'd take them apart and put buttons on them and <laughs> make them do things they're not supposed to. And so that's a lot of the analog analog is also just, uh, hooking up the, hooking up your VCR to the TV and just hitting the wire, hitting the, uh, the cord that's connected to it and it makes it jitter a little mm -hmm. bit. You know, there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, I mean, I'm giving kind of like just the tip of the iceberg of that stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. primarily that's a lot of the things I've done with it. Uh, I would also say, um, like coding, there's a lot of code aspects too. Like data moshing is a popular one where you take huh. a video and it melts. And so I don't, I'm sure you guys have seen some music videos do this where they take a a, uh, a video of someone and then all of a sudden their the image melts and then the next frame of the scene like pops up into it. I don't know. It's kind of weird. If you Google that, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that that's some code and then that's some manually doing things in media players. And um, I would say the third kind of glitch art would probably be some of what people do in like After Effects, because <laughs> you can do all kinds of cool glitch effects with After Effects, or um, even taking a lot of code in certain in software and just removing things from the code, and it gives you these uh, messy um, versions of an image, like taking an image into um, Audacity, which is an which is an audio program, and taking like a JPEG in there and exporting it it makes these weird effects so simple minimal what? things like that okay yeah, so we use audacity i'm gonna for this go podcast. i'm gonna do that right now i'm gonna yeah. go home and you, you could just look it up there's like all kinds of tutorials on how to do these things so i'm probably giving away a lot of secrets but you know i'm not really internet already gives away a lot of that stuff right. so. but uh yeah that's that's a lot of my best way to explain it so I didn't realize there's so many technical aspects, like the programming thing you were talking about. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, that's how I've learned. Uh, actually, I don't know a ton of coding, but I've got interested in the Raspberry Pi microcomputer a few years back mm -hmm. when that came out. And so I didn't really know much about coding. I did a little bit of like HTML and stuff in college to make my own website and things like that. Um, but... Uh, um, Gosh, I forgot what I was saying. What was the question? <laughs> so the technical aspect. Technical the, aspect. Yeah. So the coding, coding. Uh, aspect of it. So I didn't really know a whole lot about that, and so I got a Raspberry Pi microcomputer, which is these little credit card size computers. You can hook them up to a TV and a keyboard, and just do make all kinds of cool, neat games and all kinds of stuff like that. So I started learning how to use those to um, do different kinds of fun things. And that's what got me interested in a little bit of coding. And then that evolved into me learning how to make a video looper out of a Raspberry Pi so I could manipulate video with that. And, um, yeah, that's where a lot of that started. And then just doing research, like joining a lot of Facebook groups or, <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, um, 
let's see, going on a lot of websites and just reading things and, 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 and uh, you know, YouTube tutorials. But a lot of stuff's kind of out of date. There's not as many. And software and operating systems change because sometimes when you update your operating system, you can't do the same thing you could do before with mm. the glitching. Yeah. Which that's because, you know, when you update a computer or whatever, you don't want errors and yeah. not to happen. <laughs> so yeah. obviously when you update them, they're not going to do it. So um, things like that helped me get more interested in it and uh, the coding part of it. And then I was just determined to do that because I wanted to be able to do more than just tinker around with the VCR or something. I wanted to add something extra to it. Um, yeah. Be a, a Swiss army knife of uh, glitch art, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't market that, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that one. Um, yeah. So that, but a lot of glitch art with me I would say really started as a kid because I didn't know what it was, but I grew up and uh, I was born in 84. So I'm, I'm a little long in the tooth compared to most people I hang out with <laughs> in the scene around here. But, uh, um, so I had, I was, I had like tons of tapes, of VHS tapes of, um, like Saturday morning cartoons or whatever Thanksgiving special that an eighties cartoon was cashing in on at that time. <laughs> like I have some old, um, like claymation stuff. I've got all kinds of just random VHS taped, uh, cartoons that I had growing up primarily because my mom, she was a school teacher, but she also sold Mary Kay makeup. I don't know if anybody mm -hmm. knows what that is, if that's even a thing anymore. But so she would go around uh, uh, <clears throat> and sell Mary Kay and do like demos where she put makeup on people. And then, you know, I'm like a kid, little kid. I'm bored at this person's house while she's selling Mary Kay. Yeah. So it's like we would have these tapes of like cartoons for me to watch to occupy me while that's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had this huge collection of them that I would just watch. And we didn't have cable growing up. And I lived out in the middle of nowhere, really, when I was really young before we moved to England, which was a, a bustling like population of 2000 people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so literally nothing. It was just me and I, we live in the country first. And so, uh, um, yeah, I would just watch those. I didn't have cable and you know, I'm an only child. So I didn't have brothers and sisters to really annoy me. So I needed something to occupy me yeah. and it would be tons of, uh, uh taped, uh, stuff. And, Luckily, my mom kept them all these years later. Mm -hmm. And so when I started messing with glitch art, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have this plethora of tapes that I can just destroy all the time and mm -hmm. whatever, have fun with and do new things with. Um, so a lot of my earliest relationship with that aesthetic, I guess you would, could say, of the, the static and the tracking lines and, and all that feedback and all those things are, are, are probably a nostalgic part of it, too, that really triggers it for why I like that mm -hmm. art form. And um, I'm just lucky that uh, the I think in style and culture, we kind of go in these 30-year loops where about every decade, something from 30 years ago is all of a sudden kind of cool again. Yeah. And so right yeah. now we're kind of going through that. I mean, you can watch any, like like you've mentioned, like we were mentioning music videos and the glitch artifact on music videos. And then you look at just pop culture in general. There's this love of late 80s, early 90s right now. Mm -hmm. And there's this love of, of that effect, the VHS effect, people making videos with that VHS effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious yeah. like pool right now is Stranger Things. Like, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even though it's not just the aesthetic of oh, yeah. that time, but it's also the way they've produced it and the the actual oh yeah visual the way it's filmed. It's not even like 
oh, right. they're in this place that looks this way. It's like the grain on the mm-hmm. screen at times is like, yeah, that's like that harkens back to that. But oh, that yeah. seems like a really easy pull in my mind mm-hmm. to get grounded. I would say, yeah, like they, the, what the intro, the intro is an old, mm-hmm. a really old school effect they used to do before uh, After Effects and all those things where they, I think uh, there's like a, I don't know if you ever guys use look at Vox, V-O-X, Vox mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah. They have like a thing on there uh, showing how they did that intro and it, it's like laminated and they're shining a light through yeah. it. Yeah. That's what it's doing, man. We're not talking like uh, click, click, oh, we're done. No, they did like an analog, which is part of, um, gosh, back in the day, speaking of that, that style was in the in the 80s, they had the, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It was like this big machine that had all these oscilloscopes and function generation machines hooked up to it, and you used a lot of mirrors. So a lot of those old logos you would see that were copying a lot of those effects now um, that you would see in commercials where it had that shiny glisten to it and all those things, mm-hmm. that was using a similar effect as that Stranger Things title mm-hmm. where uh, – they would film the screen, the oscilloscope screen, and make those cool grids that you see. That's actually just grids on like an oscilloscope or something <laughs> that they're filming and then mirroring it to give these cool looks. Interesting. It's inter- wow. It's cool. Uh-huh. This was all like pre, you know, Adobe stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, there's only I think a handful of those still around. I know one's in like North Carolina, like the one everyone really knows well. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, which is a cardinal sin for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's neat. That's a lot of neat stuff because you look at like everything we can do with computers. That's fantastic. But there was some hard work put into doing simple things that are simple to us now that I can do on my phone. Right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's glitch art like apps <laughs> that can do a lot of the things that my VCR does, or you know, so on and so forth. So yeah, that that's so popular right now, and that's helping a lot with. Um, the popularity of this art form which is cool because if it stays popular then then we don't forget about it because uh there was uh, there's just so much work and and beauty to these machines and like that this was that time right you know this was kind of like i would say the 80s and 90s it was that time right before we started getting into really small everything was getting smaller and easier to use and not as much not reading reading a manual anymore now like everything seems so intuitive you don't even need a manual really when you download an app it's got a similar layout or something and right. you know oh, okay well that must be the store button because it looks like the store button on this other app that i use or this mm-hmm. is you know like editing films and things on your phone is kind of cool but knowing some of this older technology kind of helps as a whole make you uh, more knowledgeable and prepared to do the easier stuff later on, or it doesn't seem as, as, as difficult later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about like in graphic design classes that I had in school, Oh yeah, you yeah. know, That's a good example. professors are like, you are so fortunate to have, <laughs> you know, the creative suite, you know, Adobe's products because, you know, throw it, kick it back, you know, not even 50 years everybody is doing it by hand. Like every image you see produced is like a hand done image logos and well, you know, any sort of design work is all like they had to sit down and produce it by hand. And then it goes into like a, you know, screen printing and that sort of thing. And there's no such thing as like digital printing. There's no such thing as like digital creative production or anything like that. So it's, you know, we do, it's neat to see this intersection of like, modernity and like digital like 
crossing over with analog because I think, you know, for a lot of people, uh, me included, just go straight to the computer and punch it out on the computer, try to like recreate something that I could hand draw mm -hmm. in a computer because it's it's not it's not even that it's easier to do it in the computer, like especially with illustration, for example, but just because like trying to transfer this analog thing into mm. like a digital format seems like such a bigger and more difficult step than just trying to produce it in the computer. And yeah. then everything has this weird, like it's too synthetic mm. feel to it a lot of times in my brain. Um, but yeah, it's neat to see your work in that it like does this really neat intersection of modernity and digital with like classic analog yeah. sort of stuff. It's, it's fun. I'm so. trying to learn a lot is a lot of the analog stuff as much as I can. I want to be, I mean, I know recently more, I'm trying to do more of the, the older analog style because I've gotten so used to doing the, the code or so on and so forth. Uh, I know like when I started getting noticed more with the glitch or it was my own posting stuff online. Like I was posting stuff every day mm -hmm. because I would use glitch art apps on my phone and I've got like seven or eight of them that I use or like I use them for glitching for I'll just use something and make copies of it over and over again where it just kind of adds extra effects and kind of distorts a little bit. So things like that I was doing every day and it was cool, but it was it felt like I really wasn't getting as much knowledge out of really just churning it out. So now I'm trying to do more of the old way. So I've started trying to build my own little glitch boxes like I was talking about earlier, like the guy uh, Logan uh sells to people i've been building my own so i could do my own custom effects and so i don't feel like i'm just leaning on something else i'm doing it myself and you know getting my hands dirty to make it and so that i understand it better and have better respect for it yeah, yeah it is interesting how you you feel this little angst of you know oh things have gotten easier but wait a second this doesn't feel right no no <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i don't like i don't like when things start to get easy for me because then I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't mm -hmm. feel like I'm evolving. So, I mean, I know recently, uh, I, met, I saw you guys when we did the Crystal, the Crystal Bridges Short Film Fest, you know, that film that I did there, that was my way of trying to push myself a little bit more because in the past, I would just grab public domain footage or like something, old cartoons that have gone in public domain and, you know, glitch them or <laughs> whatever yeah. and call it my own because, you know, it's not in the, the it's in the public domain yeah but i had my own twist to it but i was like i need to start making my own footage and start filming my own things and creating my own narratives or something instead yeah. of just relying on that so like the first short film i actually ever did outside of school animation things which were just simple bouncing ball or a pillowcase animating those kind of things you have to do in animation my first like real short film i did a couple of years ago for the experience film fest that we had uh with um at 21C, where I had basically I had made like this, um, like a story of well, what if there was this commercial that came on during the maybe like a Super Bowl or something, and it was a commercial that had came on for some financial institution, uh -huh. and then it gets hacked live on the air. So my oh. idea was to have this commercial where it's uh, it was a company I made up called Durwood and Granley, where it was like these two guys' last names, you know, like all those financial companies. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, 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 so I came up with that, that it was like this commercial where, you know, we're here to help you with your investments. We use, you know, um, data uh, collection to understand our uh, customers, all this. And so I was like, what would it be funny if I made this fake commercial and then started doing these glitches in it to make it seem like someone was hacking it 
And so I just used a bunch of domain, uh, used, used a bunch of Creative Commons videos of like people going to the beach with their family, mm-hmm. and then like yeah. or a carousel going around, like all these cliche imagery that com- corporations use to make you feel comfortable with them, and you know, oh, family time, and yeah, um, investing our money so we can go to Florida and take the classic picture where we're all wearing white, yeah, uh, in front of the beach, you oh. know, like. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious to to play with that idea? So I would take a lot of that footage and then I just manipulated it and added some font to make it look like some hackers had had taken over it and said, you know, we are watching you. We are the uh, uh, Greed Be Gone was what I named the company. Greed Be mm-hmm. Gone was this kind of like an anonymous kind of my own version of them that I made up. Yeah, and that was fun to do, but it was like I was limited by the footage I had. So that's why I was like, well, this year I'm going to like start shooting my own thing and like find somebody to act in it and so on and so forth and have someone doing makeup and have like locations that we'll shoot at and like do real things and have to draw a storyboard out, which I hadn't done in years since school because I had to learn how to do storyboards in school. So, yeah, it's just those things where I'm always trying to push myself to do something new and different that I haven't done before. Yeah. Maybe someone around here hasn't done before. And so that people can get the jitters out and try it themselves after someone else finally did it. Uh, I don't know. Just try, always trying to evolve my style. So Yeah. I think that's fascinating too. Um, because when I step into any sort of gallery art show, it seems like everything's been done. Like every, if it can be made, it has been made. Yeah. And then someone comes along, for example, like, um, before I met you, I'd never heard of glitch art or anything like that. And so I saw that for the first time and I was like, oh, there's like so many avenues to explore here. And it makes you like rethink like, okay, maybe there is, not that novelty is always the best thing to do with artwork, um, but that sort of, if I take this idea and if I, we expound it, now we move into video and like creating my own video mm-hmm. or we um, bring in, I don't know, man. It's just, it's really neat to see an artist say, okay, this is a medium that I want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but I also want to incorporate these other elements into it. And so how do we move from this medium that I'm really comfortable with and trying to incorporate um, new styles or new like skills. I mean, really like taking video is a skill you have to learn if you want to incorporate this into it. Um, it's neat to see an artist say, okay, I'm not bound to this medium Mm -hmm. forever. I'm going to stretch and see how we can use other elements to bring this thing together, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I know like, uh, uh, I'll give you the, the guy who kind of started all of that. I mean, I would say video art more, but mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a glitchy aspect. Namjoon Paik, who the piece, there's the piece of Crystal Bridges. Yes. With the giant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like a robot with the TVs. Yes. Yeah. So he was like the, the, the number one guy that started doing that. And, uh, um, so it's pretty cool to, to see that in person too. It's very inspiring for me because I like looking at it and I'm always, I remember when I, when I saw it after I started doing loop video looping uh, uh with a with the raspberry pi i was like well how, how did he do it like there wasn't a raspberry pi then but i mean it was like a dvd or, or something like that yeah. so i guess it was a lot simpler than i realized but i kept thinking maybe there was something to that but it was cool because it was an installation which uh um i, I don't know uh, uh you guys seen some of uh wombly uh, wombly's work that, 
around here. He was a video. He he's, I think he's in Chicago now, but he's a really good uh, a glitch video installation artist too. Like mm-hmm. he he's he's a local guy who would take uh, his video art. I mean, always something different with it. And, and I would always see his work and kind of think of uh, um, like an organic. He was almost like he was trying to to meld like technology and organic things together. Mm-hmm. Like I think he had a, a thing at La La Land uh, where it was. Uh, it looked like a. For me, I kept thinking of like an ant colony or something where it was this drywall that he had taken apart and put these speaker wires in, and um, did this animation inside it. It looked to me like a moth somewhat too. So it was like all had these kind of like insect things to it which i think of like insects i I think of kind of technology i think of these shiny matted surfaces and like the way they're kind of the antenna you know using antenna Mm -hmm. so he made some really cool work that i hadn't seen before around here where he would take that or like fluorescent light bulbs and add them into it and uh that was cool it made me actually want to look at some of the other artists that do that that do video art installations and i mean i've learned more about them recently because most of my knowledge about it was through Facebook or through YouTube or through um, just things like that that I would see, not really looking at the, the, the older work that that um, had that installation aspect to it. Because I just started out just putting connecting a Raspberry Pi to a little 13-inch TV I'd get at the thrift store yeah. and loop something on it, and that would be about it. But now I've seen all these people that, that like build their own displays for the television to be inside so it doesn't look like it's like maybe a Sony TV or something. You have no idea because they put the actual tube itself inside this container that mm-hmm. makes it look cool and aesthetically pleasant because they're like stacked to these cubes there's all kinds of really cool work even like how many wires how many cords are plugged in they stretch all the cords out and it's maybe to this parallel like even amount so it's like art in the wiring of how yeah. they put it together yeah so those kind of things are pretty cool because i was just doing the video stuff and and now it it, it fascinates me because i can see like these other elements that make it art outside of just the video mm-hmm. even the container that the video is in yeah. is art um and i mean i've done some things where i've had my art projected onto someone as they're moving or, or dancing or something like that and i've seen some of that where you're actually melding as i said earlier organic and technology together you're using an organic a real person or subject uh living thing moving around in front of this video and maybe seeing the the interaction between those two images and how they contrast and how they they flow is kind of yeah. cool yeah because it's it's something you can't really a lot of glitch art you can't really completely control when it comes to analog i mean you can you can get a few little effects out of there but you can't make this line go this way this line go that mm-hmm. way for sure it's going to still kind of do what it wants to do when it's reacting to what you're doing what feedback or interference you're creating right so there's I think making the physical object that the video plays on is you're going to have a lot more control with how that looks, Mm -hmm. but it still kind of connects nicely together. I even think like a neat element of this is so much of art is like, once it's completed, it's then installed and there it is. And this is how it will always be. Um, And then just once again, a different expansion of this is we move from this is, how it is forever and it's recorded and we put it somewhere and it Mm. plays on this one loop of it will always be the same to live performance of this Mm. where you move from in the moment it becomes an experience that's shared with people but then it's also like this will be different every time i perform it you know and um 
I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Andrew Bird's music, you know, mm-hmm. how he oh, yeah. loops his music on yeah. top of each other. Ted talk was cool. Yeah. And uh, so that sort of thing is neat too, where it's you also take your work and you put it in a live setting mm-hmm. and you in the moment manipulate it. Probably somewhat rehearsed, I would imagine, a little bit. Um, but also, I imagine there's a lot in the moment of manipulation that just happens because you're messing with it there oh, yeah. for sure. So. Yeah, so that that started – that's actually funny because that, that – I, I never even thought of doing that before. Uh-huh. And so I did the Experience Film Fest, the first one, um, and Idol Class was uh, sponsoring it. Um, along uh, along with um the creator demi and uh, damara i don't know if you guys have met her she does a lot of cool stuff with film around here okay and uh, uh um <clears throat> anyway they uh, cody uh, cody ford he had mentioned uh me collaborating with a band and so i was like uh, well that sounds cool and he used the term live glitching which i've never used i mean like he came up with that mm-hmm. so i was <laughs> like all right let's do that i didn't know where to even start with something like that yeah so uh, he had he had had me uh, hook up with this band called White Mansion that's around here. Uh, the I think uh, one of the members of Teenagers, which used to be a band that I remember I used to see some of their shows at, at JRs. And uh, um, <clears throat> anyway, they were trying this more like um, I would say synthwave or uh, shoegaze kind of style. Mm-hmm. And um, he was thinking, well, it may, maybe a cool thing to add my visuals to it, and so. I never had done anything like that before. And so, um, <clears throat> so we were going to try it out. And so I had a, uh, I had just recently gotten a, a mixer, which was like the old school mixers where you would, um, when you're doing like broadcast television, they have them where you switch from camera one to camera two or so on and so forth. You would have this little lever that would do that. And so you can buy smaller ones uh, that, that switch to different uh, videos. And so, that was kind of my approach to it was, well, I guess I'll take a collection of stuff I've glitched and, and, um, <clears throat> mix them and, 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 you know, do effects to them to like rhythms or to maybe, uh, a, 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 a something that changes in the music. So I would listen to the band's music a lot on their, on their band camp or their SoundCloud and hear a lot of the changes or, you know, significant changes that were in the music and figure out, well, I've got to match a mood or I've got to match some kind of flow to it to, and then maybe switch it really quick. And, uh, that's what we ended up doing. And so that's kind of where the, uh, popsicle of doom, which is my, um, DJ VJ esque, uh-huh. uh, thing that I came up with. Uh, that's where that came from. So that was me like looking for like this cool skull mask and sticking an old iPhone on top of it with some looping video. Yep. <laughs> so, so like I was wearing this, so that's basically what I did was I, I went online and found one of those like old knock, uh, one, a plastic skull mask. I still keep, I have, I have them both. I have the newer one that I use now. And I, I took an old iPhone and I just put a video on it, some glitch video and I stuck it on there. So that it would look like that was glitching out of my skull or something mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> as this, as this kind of, uh, split personality or this whole other version of me that's live in the glitch that's part of it that mm. encompasses it like it's through my veins through my brain everything it's all part of me it's a continuous connection with it so that way we could have so people would have not only the band to concentrate on but kind of figure have some sort of vessel that's creating the images that they're mm-hmm. looking at 
um, instead of it just being like a TV going on over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, for sure. And the live glitching was cool because it gave me an opportunity to try that. And then I got a um, this old, um, it's called a My First Sony, which were these old, uh, before Mario Paint, you know, when you could draw on you know, <laughs> Mario Paint, you could draw on your TV with them. So you used to have these things before Mario Paint, like a My First Sony, where you could draw and hook it up to your VCR, your TV or whatever, and it would be on your TV. And you're like, oh, cool, I'm drawing on my TV. Huh. You know, pre-Wacom uh, tablets yeah yeah so i had one of those and and had the uh the guy tachyons plus i was talking about I, he had actually circuit bent it with like all kinds of buttons on it so it would distort the images as i would draw them and um I, I bought one of those from him that he had circuit bent and i was like okay well this would be a good addition to the show as well along, along with my four video mixing set and so that way i could actually create like live drawings and then glitch them and then switch from that to the videos that i had already done and add different effects and so it was just kind of insanity basically <laughs> i was just saying whatever would stick just yeah. pushing buttons and then you know using the images but i would also use uh footage that i had uh i even like um i wanted to get this cool like weird uh almost i would say not post-apocalyptic but like this empty this was another one of the first times i ever made my own footage so I had recently heard about when you guys know about Dog Patch USA, the old park. So there was this park in uh, uh, near the Buffalo River, and it was like a theme park. And it closed yes. in like yes. okay, so it closed in like '91 or something. I think I went there the last year it was open. And so this guy who invented like the non-spillable dog bowl or something, he bought it, and he lives there. And uh, anyway, you can pay like I think there's a some Ozark Wastelanders. That's what it is. There's like this group of people that dress like Mad Max or something and camp there. It's pretty rad. Heck yes. So that's I a real it. thing. You guys have got to check that out. Okay. Anyway. Um, Absolutely. So I knew that he was doing that. Uh, this guy had bought the park and then someone said, well, you can pay like 10 bucks or something and sign a waiver. So in case you get bit by a snake or something and yes. eaten by a bear, I don't know, whatever, you're okay. I mean, he doesn't get sued. So it's like, all right, well, cool. I don't care. I'll go try it out. So I went up there and surely I bought this RCA camera, which if anybody's looking to find, like, I'll, I'll totally mention these guys because they're awesome. Like Free Geek Arkansas. Mm-hmm. They're in Fayetteville. They have all this technology that people want to throw away and they donate them. Yeah. So you've got like old VCRs. You've got Polaroid. Uh, cameras you've got um, a bunch of my stuff in here i bought from there so like i have this harness that um you strap on it's like a seat belt almost but for a giant camcorder <laughs> so it's like a steady cam for you and you wear it on your shoulder and it's for those big camcorders and right. so i bought that and an old rca camcorder like a big heavy one and i bought that harness at free geek and i was like okay i'm totally going to dog patch and i'm just going to walk around and film it on this little shoulder strap thing and it because it there's nothing that it's like all you know just clothes i mean they've cleaned it up quite a bit but it's still there's not really they do like i think seasonal thing events there or something but it's still pretty much closed so it had this cool look to it because there was still greenery and all this stuff and there's all these great colors which uh green and red those are great colors to mess around with in blue. Obviously, RGB, which right. is part of the screen itself, how it yeah. works, are great to manipulate. So I went and just filmed a lot of that footage, and I used it in our show, too. It's hmm. like my first attempt at actually making my own footage. Yeah. But it was a cool like thing to do is film this closed uh, theme park. So, um, yeah, there was just a whole bunch of new things I hadn't done before to do the live glitching part. And so 
I got a little more used to it. And then um, in, in, in uh, Bentonville, um, Cat Wilson had asked me if I would like to perform on like Wednesdays there doing the live glitching and just have like a playlist I would play and then I would live glitch. And so that gave me an excuse to do it like every other week. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I would do that at the Foxhole, which was a restaurant there on the square. Uh, and um, it was fun because like I would just do that and get people's kind of reaction, see what they liked and what they didn't like and, and give me a better understanding of the audience. And that was a great learning experience because it, it, when it came to doing live, there were some times where it didn't go as well because I didn't have all my chords <laughs> where I knew they were supposed to go mm. or I would just totally blank and forget where to connect everything. And so I would end up making these totally different glitches and effects because I was connecting the wrong things. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well maybe I'll, maybe I'll use that and save that. And I was labeling the chords so that I would know which way to do it. So I could get that same effect later. And I, I pretty much had narrowed it down. I mean, to like a more portable set. I mean, when I first started doing it there, I was taking like a VCR and a, you know, literal function generators, big old heavy piece of machinery and plugging it in. And, and, uh, over time it eventually got to where I just would have a few of the little box glitch boxes. Some of them I built, some of them that I had purchased and, uh, just a little small raspberry Pi and connect it to a projector and then just project it that way. And it got to where I was understanding how to be a little bit quicker and more efficient with opening those things. And so like the stuff you saw at the black apple awards, like that was, a lot of pre-planning and I wouldn't have been able to do something like that if it hadn't been for all the goof ups and things I had done through yeah. the live glitching in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's one thing I've learned is I love making mistakes cause or not doing something right, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a mistake, but just totally goofing on something. Cause then I figure out, well, okay, that's what I need to pay attention to next time to make it more efficient, faster to get it together, break it down and come up with something more unique. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty, emblematic of the whole thing because glitches are mistakes like yeah. i mean We're glitches are, yeah. <laughs> and we identify the mistakes amplify them for the sake of creating something mm -hmm. um and then now you've you've seen yourself make mistakes along the way that oh, said yeah. oh i can use that or oh if we use this a different way it's just neat to hear you talk about mistakes because it's the thing you work in is amplifying yeah. mistakes, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm just one big walking mistake. Basically. <laughs> yeah. But it's, so but it's, I embrace my mistake. Yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. harness. <laughs> it's harnessing that. Yeah. And using it as like the centerpiece, which is a really neat thing. And so. also say what's really hard about this is not a lot of these things I can just really, I've said that you can Google some of these things, mm -hmm. but not everything when you're dealing with older technology you can really just Google like, oh, right. how do I, yeah. It's yeah. very trial and error. <laughs> and very uh, trial and glitch and non-glitch, trial <laughs> and error, right, yeah. True. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I was thinking even as you got the opportunity to do um, like glitch projections at mm -hmm. Foxhole, like that often, like being able to cut your teeth there, incredible opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, because you're I right. It's not just that. Google that cool. it and copy and paste. It's a uh, figure out your like, figure out your hardware that you have available and what can you do with that so and also like how much voltage before the lights go out in the whole building or something like that <laughs> like, have you done that before i mean that hasn't happened thankfully but yeah understanding that i need to measure my voltage of everything and make huh. sure i've got the right cords and the right things because when you're dealing with voltage and you're all that i mean input output all that you you can't 
like goof that up because then you're going to fry something that you've built your spent a lot of time building or something you bought and then you're just oh, I'm like oh you don't even know what to do and uh, uh yeah so a lot of it just taking chances on some of these things it's just yeah <laughs> it was good to get a lot of practice with it and i'm still learning a lot as i go along because it's not like there's a class i can really take on how to do it because it's becoming more and more popular but there's still some of the softwares out of date and some stuff's updated, like I've mentioned earlier and, uh, things change and, and, um, you have to kind of learn how to do it again in a different way. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's intense. Sometimes. What's, what's the public reception like for this stuff? I mean, Oh yeah. Cause it's from in like when I first came across it, I was like, this is really weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, well, and kind of related question. I was wondering whenever you showcased it in Bentonville, uh, versus the Fayetteville Arts community that you've been a part of in jumping up to Bentonville, and I'm I'm not saying they're worlds apart, but oh, yeah. there's different crowds for sure. Yeah, there is. Um, but people people have different reactions. Like a lot of it's kind of a nostalgia thing with mm -hmm. with the analog stuff. Now with the trippy like data moshing melting things, some people are just like, "Whoa, this is this is kind of weird." And, <laughs> And they look at their their glass like, oh, how many did I have? You know, <laughs> so sometimes sometimes you get that that uh, double take. Um, but a lot of people are just fascinated by it. And then sometimes you'll run into that guy who is like an engineer or something, and he's a little he's along in the tooth, and uh, he's had experience with these technology, and you know he drops certain words, and I'm like, oh snap, you know what I'm talking, you know mm -hmm. what this is, that's cool. And so you can have like cool conversations with somebody who was using a monitor like this or uh, uh, an oscilloscope for actual scientific things instead of just making your VCR do something cool. Yeah, And that's kind of what I do, but uh, he was actually using it for real things. So that happens to me sometimes. And then you have your, I wouldn't say, you know, younger than our age group, they, they dig it. They love it because, I mean, they basically grew up with instant everything. And so that's kind of an interesting thing, too, because, as I said earlier, this, this loop of old things becoming cool again, I think um, when you grow up with high definition or on demand or, you know, like Netflix or something mm -hmm. or you don't know what a be kind rewind sticker looks like, you know, something like that. Or, mm -hmm. or uh, there's this, it's, it's something new to you if, if you grew up that way. And uh, I know like when my kids are watching like DVDs in the car or whatever. <laughs> so that's kind of a crazy thing to me. Like they can watch something on a fire stick, you know, like watch something instantly or Netflix or whatever. So seeing, uh, I've had them come hang out with me in the studio and you know, all I have are old TVs, but I have a few like of my childhood tapes as I, I want a few, a bunch. And uh, I'll just throw on some like old cartoons I grew up with and they still love them nonetheless, even if yeah. they look a little more fuzzy and not, there's no 1080p going on or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they still enjoy it. It's just a different packaging that's unique and different to them. So they, they like it. So I get a lot of different reactions and it really depends on what connection you have to something like that or what it reminds you of. Kind of like what just any art, when you look at art, you see something differently. Each person sees something differently. They see a painting of a horse that they think of growing up on a farm or they think of like a trip they took where they got to ride a horse through the Grand Canyon. I don't know. Whatever. People will get sure. different interpretations of art and it's always open for interpretation and, and it's pretty cool because that's what makes it an art too. It's it's a different medium. It's a different thing. It's not a painting or a sculpture um, 
or a performance art piece in a sense, you know, like where someone themselves are the performance mm-hmm. or the piece of art, but it still gives a message and it still gives a story, um, which is inter- interpreted different ways because people experience life in different ways. So they're yeah. going to experience art, uh, in different ways. So it's, it's cool. I love, I love hearing what people think of it and the attention that it's given me has been great and I'm really thankful for it. So I'll, I'm just keep doing it mm-hmm. until people get tired of it and I'll probably still keep doing it <laughs> just because I love it. Yeah. Uh, I do love it. I, I mean, it's something I like at the end of the day, if I have like a, a, uh, 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 something else I have to do, I still will get on my phone and make a little glitch that day on my phone. Mm-hmm. But if, even if I don't have access to my TVs or, or, or tech techie stuff over here, uh, um, if I'm at home and I still have my phone so I can maybe do a cool little video on my phone and still get it out of my system. It's just something I love so much. So that's why I'm always doing it. <laughs> I love it when art draws a response from people because a lot of it, I mean, mm-hmm. you think about your settings when you look at art, um, like Crystal Bridges, for example, you walk in there mm-hmm. and you sit and you look and you mm-hmm. just watch it. There's, you know, you can sit and watch people, but most people that I see in there don't have like a physical response to mm. stuff. And you put them in a setting, a different setting where you were talking about like, how many drinks did I have? You yeah. know, like don't know what's going on. Yeah. melting or whatever. I love that stuff. I mean, I think I played around as a freshman in college. I was a goober and did a bunch of really strange like per- performance art-esque like yeah. related stuff because I just wanted to mess with people like yeah. the best thing was like to get this weird response to people from everything from like why in the world would you do that to like the actual experience of like yeah that's doing a good that sort of thing yeah. um, but I was when the reason I'm bringing this up is because during the film festival you have this video of like it's glitching out and you know you ex- you're sitting there expecting like this video and so you know it's like an art video and so you see the glitching and stuff in it and you're like oh that's neat that's neat and then we get to the middle of the video and it just stops yeah you know? yeah but not not on purpose <laughs> <No>. like <laughs> this was an so accident that was fantastic yeah but that was, <laughs> it's so funny because the ladies in front of us um they didn't comment on that but whenever you know it was doing its glitch thing they're like i think something's wrong with the video uh-huh but I yeah was, okay like, wait you're, yeah. no 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 you're you're talking about the wrong Thing that's apparently wrong quote-unquote like, yeah i know what you're saying yeah. but so i was funny i was laughing what was so funny to me i was like if this was a medium that i wanted to play with or you oh, know yeah. found interest in like this is exactly how i would use it i would in the middle of this thing it breaks like you're sitting there experiencing it as like a oh it's a glitch thing and then take it to another level of like oh no the little devil's rainbow of eye death just pops up everything stops and the just the <laughs> thing is spinning like, i was thinking the same thing i'm like we're working off of a media player right now you you know you ask them in advance hey what media player do you guys use and then copy and yeah. copy the actual footage of the media player oh oh i would just that would be oh, man that if, oh yeah if it was me it would be i'm just gonna mess with everybody watching this like it breaks. It breaks in the middle of it on, you know, purposefully. Sure. But no one knows that. Oh, man. That would be. <laughs> so I'll say something about that. Like, what was interesting about that uh, uh, show is like at the beginning, we had the music videos play. Yep. You know, where she played music because this was like the theme was music videos. And so some of them were like 
unintentionally data moshing. So I don't know if you saw like when some of it, it would do the kind of, you know what I'm talking about where the little pixelation happens. It happens like with cable or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever watching cable, like that'll happen where you have it all of a sudden, all these little blocks happen. Yes. It would happen there. And that's kind of what data moshing is, was where you're doing intentionally. And so it is funny because, uh, I, um, I saw that and I was thinking like the, the, people probably think it is part of it because it does specifically look like another type of glitch art mm-hmm. because when that happens, that's just because the frames, uh, as the video plays are, um, missing or it, it stops and then frames go by and it missed one of the frames somehow. And so the video itself is trying to correct itself. Oh, okay. And so those little blocks that happened when it froze, and then all of a sudden you see like a face pop up out of those frozen blocks. That's because eventually the frames caught up, but there was still that gap in the frames that happened. So that's why you see that all the time. And so literally doing that when you're doing the code version of that, you're or not code, that's actually where you take the video player. You can write code to take it out automatically, which is something I've messed with. But you're, it's take literally taking those specific frames out that bridge the two uh, shots together that cause that effect. Uh, I mean, it's a funny thing to see it alive. And then, yeah, so people could have easily thought that was probably part of the video yeah. because I do that actual effect on things. Yeah. Um, I've even seen, uh, there was a show, I know Backspace did a show, and um, uh, uh, Donna Smith, I don't know if you, she, she, uh, she had a piece that she had made where she had basically printed like a screenshot of TV, of, of her television, and it did that effect. And so all she did was like she had a digital antenna like connected to her TV and like uh, I guess would move the antenna and then take a Im- picture of the screen when it would do that effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was like making art out of it, like this improvised way of doing it. Yeah. And it all connects to that that uh, that effect that happens, which has become an art form in and of itself. So it's, mm-hmm. it is cool to see something like that and then see people thinking that you're messing with them. Yeah. And and then like my short film, the Derwood Granley thing where I took a commercial, I made this pretty fancy looking commercial and then I would mess up in it intentionally. Like it was being hacked mm-hmm. <laughs> as a way to mess it's with so good. to make you think it's uh real, really happening. Yeah. Um, because you don't expect errors really to happen in videos you watch or, or, or and when they do you think something's wrong and you're going to immediately want to fix it because we all are like that we want to get the best quality out of something we're mm-hmm. watching or enjoying and if it makes a mistake we want to immediately fix it so yeah <laughs> it's yeah. fun to see people not know what to do when that happens oh man and so uh that's kind of another reason why i've started focusing more on the analog stuff because it doesn't really look like a mistake as much so mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I, I wonder if people think that it's messing up and not really the art itself. So I'm trying to figure out a way to design it to where it doesn't look like it's a mistake. It's me taking advantage of that mistake. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a better man than I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I just like mistakes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, in kind of wrapping things up um is there anything in the future that you want to talk about anything that's coming up um, that you're involved in currently or anything that you're planning for the future yeah i'll mention a couple of things um first we have um at the art center of the ozarks uh i attended the artist inc course uh, last year and um we're going to have a show where we're showcasing our work after we've taken this course which it was like a, a several week course where we were kind of learning more of the business aspect of art and, and, um, 
and it was a great networking opportunity. There's a lot of really talented people that were part of it. And uh, uh, I encourage anybody that wants to do art as a profession to look into it. It's Artist Inc. Um, and they have it at the, um, <clears throat> I think they're having a, sh they're having our showcase of us who have finished it on November 30th. Oh, cool. So I'm actually, I have an installation in there where I'm making the, as I said earlier, we're talking about using the actual uh, televisions as a piece of the art itself. So I've done that a little bit with this. So this is a new little twist I've done with it. And I'm actually, my piece will have three of the films I've made recently playing on it. Um, so I have that and that's on November 30th. And, um, I'm also working on a, um, Photoshop, uh, uh a workshop called Undes uh, unwind and design. And, um, I'm going to be teaching, uh, Photoshop to people who have never really used it before or, uh, are interested in learning it. It's going to be a workshop at stage 18 on, uh, uh, December 12th. Um, if, uh, it's unwinding design, so it'll be online for everybody to check out. We're working on the course and how it's going to lay out, and um, it'll be fun, too. It's going to be a casual, fun thing, uh, but we're also going to teach you some cool things because before I did glitch art, I was basically making glitches in Photoshop, too, which is kind of where the foundation of me learning a lot of tricks to my images, which I take images that I've made in Photoshop that have a glitchy effect to them, and I turn them into videos and then uh, manipulate them uh, and that helps through, I've used Photoshop for, I guess about 13 or 14 years now. So I've got a lot of experience with it. And, uh, Sonia Gutierrez, she will also be, she'll be hosting it and she's been using Photoshop for like 23 years. So she's awesome at it. So it's a combined knowledge of about 37 years of Photoshop there. And so we're going to try to teach everybody cool stuff to do. Uh, also final thing I'll mention is I will have a booth at the, uh, Caddy Wampus winter wonderland. So, um, I'm going to try, I'm trying something new this time. So normally I sell prints or, yeah. you know, prints or stickers. Um, I'm going to actually start selling DVDs of my glitch art wow. for you to use it like your parties or whatever. Yeah. And they're, they're totally yours. Do whatever you want with them. So <laughs> I'm going to wow. be selling those, um, uh, I'm not really sure if anybody, I, I, I haven't done too many Blu-ray burning things, but I think DVD, I like the old school and that's still a little too new for my liking, but I know most people don't have VCRs. So, yeah. uh, so we'll just keep it on DVDs, but yeah, I'll be actually selling uh, uh video art that I've made for you to use at events that you've had or, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. Super cool. So I'll probably be the only person I'll be actually selling video art. So uh -huh. that'll, that'll actually, be a, yeah. a new, that'll be a game changer for Caddy Wampus. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that and seeing if people are interested. I also have some stuff looping in, at my booth that you can check out. Nice. Um, but yeah, other than um, I hate it when I don't mention anything else I got going on, but those are like the three, the big things I got coming up for sure right now. Cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Dylan, thanks for being on our show with us. Thank I enjoyed it. This was fun. Good. Thanks. <laughs> good. <laughs> Had a good time too. Cool. All right. Great. <laughs>